Welcome to Latinx Like Me, a show where we embrace how beautifully diverse our community is while also celebrating the things that unite us. I'm your host, Emma Cardenas, a first-generation Mexican-American born and raised in LA. I'm excited to share today's conversation with fellow Angelino, Jessica De Leon. You'll have to excuse some background noise on this one, but we were both completely surrounded by construction that day. Jessica shed some much-needed light on the Guatemalan community, including the delicious food and important heritage sites. We discussed bearing the additional duty as a child to be your family's English-speaking bridge and the long-term impact that causes. Jessica also takes us through her journey as a healer and acupuncturist and shares some much-needed tips on prioritizing self-care during trying times. Um, I do just want to off the bat for transparency's sake, sure. let everyone know how we met. Um, okay. So we met through a group um, that's really everywhere, but I guess through the LA chapter of Latinas Who Brunch. It's such a great um, group to be a part of because they really do such a great job at connecting, right? And really creating community, which sometimes can be very challenging for people, especially when when um, some folks are moving across, you know, states and new to new cities and stuff, and you're trying to build your community. Latinas who brunches, um, I've actually made some really great friendships through some of their events. So not surprised that it brought me another one with you, right? <laughs> hey, I am so excited. And then like, luckily you're so, you know, gracious enough to accept and, and to do this. So I'm very, very thankful. Oh, yes. Um, thank you. But let's talk about you. So tell me, I guess we'll start with like the, I know, right? <laughs> we'll start with like the main and the most basic question. Um, where are you from? Like, where were you born and raised? And how do you identify ethnically? So I've always identified as Guatemalan. I was born and raised here in LA, um, born in Gardena, and then just kind of hopped around the South Bay, um, mainly like Hawthorne and Redondo. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always identified as Guatemalan because both my parents are here from, came from Guatemala. My father since moved back, my mom's still here. But uh, it wasn't until I was like maybe early 20s that I got kind of corrected by a few people. I'm like, you're technically American, Jessica. I was like, oh. I, I am. <laughs> oh my goodness. You're so right. Um, so <laughs> now I identify as a Guatemalan American. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. What I started finding was kind of the reason that that came up was every time I would say like, oh, I'm Guatemalan. Like, oh, where in what the, like, how old were you when you came here? I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. no, no, no. Sorry. I was born here. And they're like, oh, so you're American. And I'm like, yes, Guatemalan American. Got it. That's, that is what I am. Technically, I, I suppose. So <laughs> and so it was always, yeah, it was always that follow-up of like, oh, like what part of Guatemala were you, were you born in? And like, oh, I technically, technically not. Gosh, <laughs> <laughs> so you're first generation here. Yes, first generation and first born in my family or like eldest, I guess. Mm-hmm. So... Okay. Not a lot of pressure there, right? Right? <laughs> I'm into that for sure. Um, I am really curious because as a fellow native Angelino, we did grow up like I'm also from the South Bay and it's very much, um, you know, LA is so massive. And oh my gosh. Yeah. there are so many different pockets that like the South Bay really is its own bubble. Like it's, it's a lot more chill. It has kind of its own you know, more relaxed culture. Um, Obviously, you know, no surprise, LA has a massive like Latino community, um, predominantly Mexican American. Mm -hmm. How did you ever get, I mean, I guess two questions, like, did you ever just get any, like experience any discrimination from people outside of the Latinx community for being Latinx or, Um, any discrimination from people within the Latinx community for being Guatemalan, which is, you know, here's not maybe the norm. Um, Yeah, never. I mean, there's definitely been instances here and there where you get not the most pleasant experiences, uh, but nothing, thankfully nothing straight up like insulting or, or uh, very openly 
discriminatory, I suppose. Just yeah. Kind of the side eyes and the kind of the vibe checks and the attitude adjustments and, you know. Yeah. Okay. One, a few instances, the one that comes to mind is like I was in an AP uh, class before and in high school and we had to do like a project and like something with like a song and, and I chose a, a Selena song and some, one of my peers was like, of course the Latina chose Selena. And at the time, I was like, well, obviously, like, she's our one true god. (laughs) Duh. But now I'm like, that was kind of, that was kind of (laughs) snotty. That was a little snotty to say. Yeah. It's, for people that don't know, could you um, give a little bit more context to the difference between, you know, Gardena and Hawthorne and then going to to Redondo Beach? Oh, my gosh. It is (laughs) Oh, that is like the moving on up story, right? Because Gardena <laughs> and Hawthorne are like very, very like kind of crowded. Definitely not the quote safest areas. Very um, like high population of Latinos, high population of African American. You know, when I was in, just to put it this way, I wasn't allowed out of the house especially not by myself like just I was allowed to play in the driveway with other family members but never like oh I'm just gonna walk to the store and go grab some and go grab like a candy bar or something like that just never existed in my life until I moved to Redondo and it was just for safe right yeah um and then moving to Redondo is quite the like it's a very yin and yang because Redondo is like much more spacious much lower crime rates and um just very suburban mm-hmm. very suburban very like calm very kind of beachy town very different yeah than the kind of like more hustle bustle in in Hawthorne and Cartina <laughs> totally yeah and I'm from um just right over the hill from uh from Redondo from San mm-hmm. Pedro which is also very yes like, you know, more, it's, it's the port of, of LA, but it's definitely mm-hmm. more working class. A lot of, almost everyone's parental works as a longshoreman and, and stuff like that. But then you have like this hill called Palos, Verde, uh, Palos Verdes between the two. Oh my God. Where it's like very, you know, mm-hmm. rich and massive homes. Very and wealthy. Stuff. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Those homes are massive. Yeah, it's, it's always, I feel like everyone's hobby at one point or another is just to like drive because obviously we drive a lot here and then you just kind of drive through the hill and and see the home. (laughs) Or I don't know if you ever did this, what we would do in high school a lot was go and find like all the haunted houses that we're in, you know, all the like rumored haunted houses in in Palos Verdes and we'd go check them out. Oh my gosh. And of course, I'm like such a weenie with things like that. It was like, oh my God, no, like the ring is going to happen tonight or something, you know, like we're just, oh, oh my God. I could I'm, never do that because I'm a big chicken. Even I've always wanted to go to like, you know, the uh-huh. haunted houses, but I could never do like, if someone's like, oh, this is a real haunted house. I'd be like, no, thank yeah. you. I was super, so excited to talk to you. Like when I first asked <laughs> you to do this, I was like, I don't know. It's like, she's probably Mexican was my first thought because I was like, oh, yeah. she's from LA. So, okay. Gosh. Um, and it's I've just, got, I've gotten that. Uh, if I if I just had one penny, not even a nickel. If I just had one penny for every time somebody just assumed I was Mexican, asked me if I was Mexican, what part of Mexico I was from, and that's what you know. My friends have this running joke. They call me. My friends call me Jessica the Mexican. <laughs> and so when I'm like being snotty to them about something, they're like, "Yeah, really? What part of Mexico are you from?" I'm like, oh. Oh, you jerks. <laughs> and it's so, it's so funny because really, like, I know from, you know, from experience that, like, I just never assume what someone is. Like, to me, like, to me my, obviously, my go-to is, is Mexican because of where mm-hmm. we are. It's, it's just, like, right. Mm-hmm. And just, like, personally, I'm like, everyone's Mexican. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we come in all, like, million different colors and sizes yes. and everything. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> I when you were like oh I'm Guatemalan I was like oh my god like I'm so excited and slash embarrassed we're such unicorns <laughs> <laughs> like, 
excited slash embarrassed because I was like, holy shit, I know nothing about Guatemala. Like, mm-hmm. I could not pick it out on the map. I know it's somewhere here. And yeah. number one, obviously, like, why didn't we learn about this that we know we don't, you know, really learn mm-hmm. about any other country, um, yeah. even our country correctly. Um, it's like, unless you went to college and studied like Latin American studies, like that's mm-hmm. kind of where you would learn it. So I was binging a bunch of like articles and YouTube oh, videos on Guatemala. Yeah. Like, I want, like, I want to know more. And the more I was, you oh. know, looking and I actually, I'll link it in the, in the show notes, but I watched this episode on YouTube of geography now. Um, mm-hmm. And this guy just is basically talking and giving you information on a bunch of different countries. And it's like one episode per um, country. So I watched the Guatemala one and I'm like, well, now I want to go to Guatemala. <laughs> like, Oh my God. It, 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 girl, it so is beautiful. gorgeous. You know, I'm, thank you for bringing that up. Cause one thing that I've kind of noticed now, I didn't notice it as much when I was younger and I always thought, Oh, it's because I'm, I am, you know, the majority is non-Hispanic and, then the Hispanic or the Latino population here is much more Mexican. So mm-hmm. that makes sense why I don't really know that many Guatemalan people. But then like now being part of these like other communities, I gotta tell you like Guatemala just really, and speaking kind of just for Central America, like we really get no love. Like we get, yeah, like, we get like very rarely acknowledged and so it's kind of nice. It, it, like right now, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm, am I like, <laughs> like just for being Guatemalan? Like, thank you. Yes, like, we are on the map. We there's there is so many of us, and all of Central America, right? Because we hear so much of like, no offense to all of our brothers and sisters, but you know, I there's definitely times that I'm like, hey, can can Wate get a little shout out? You know, because we, you know, yeah. we're always hearing about all the other ones, like. Mexico for sure, like mm-hmm. Colombia, Venezuela, Cuba, the DR, Puerto Rico. Like I just, I'm like, hey, Guatemala is here too. We mm-hmm. Central America, woohoo! <laughs> sure, and I'm just like, how? Like, you really have to dig to mm-hmm. to learn about it. And I'm like, why? Yeah. Like, why don't we know more about Guatemala? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, why is why doesn't it come up? in in conversations or in you know right. articles or travel stories and and you're mm-hmm. right it's obviously you know of course politically it's you know mexico will take all all the headlines and and whatnot because mm-hmm. so much of the shit that goes right down. and right and like granted visa like mexico is so far larger than than guatemala you know but just every now and then like even in our own communities like hey if we could just get a little shout out for like yeah. Central america because we're here too you know <laughs> and i don't think like and i'm gonna start asking people i'm like what like what do you know about you know guatemala or like what do you know about x or whatever like yeah. i personally have a lot to learn about and you know this is part of the reason why i'm doing this is i have a lot to learn about other Latinx countries and and cultures. And so I do want to um, ask you, I guess, what are some like Guatemalan traditions or customs that Mm. were a part of your upbringing, especially being first generation? Oh boy, putting me on the spot here. Um, (laughs) Let's see, Um, definitely like Navidad and um, like our tamales, like our, probably the biggest thing would be like our food um that's kind of how I started realizing at a younger age like oh I'm really like that's there is a a difference between someone who's from Mexico and then someone Mm -hmm. who's from Guatemala right it's like our food and then going to like any Mexican restaurant here and I'm like I don't see like x y and z on the menu right I'm like "Hmm," what would some of learning that right yeah what would some of the dishes be because you guys do have tamales yes we have tamales and we have paches and we have chuchitos yes So all of which are very different. Um, So we have tamales, which we make those. uh, They are a rice base. And yeah, and we make them in the plantain leaf. Mm -hmm. So my husband actually jokes that they're like an entire meal because (laughs) they're pretty hefty. And you've got like some carne in there. You've got some meat in there. You've got like a few vegetables. You've got like a sliver of uh, like red pepper in there. And then you'll have like a, um, a prune or a date in there. Oh, not a date. You'll have like a, a I'm pretty sure it's a prune. Now I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm failing as a watermelon. <laughs> <right now." laughs> 
Um, so it's like you've got like really savory, you've got like kind of more neutral, and then you've got like a sweet flavor in there. Oh, I love those, but they're so intense to make. They really are so labor intensive. We only get them for Navidad. Um, and then when, when I graduated acupuncture school, my mom made them. And that was such <laughs> a treat. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> so we have um, tamales, then our paches. We make those from uh, potato, from papa. And those are like very, um, they're seasoned, very like savory as well more those are just oh they're so good they're all so good (laughs) and then we have chuchitos which are much more of like um i would probably say they're more like mexican tamales because they're more of that shape of like um in the corn husk and from uh masa Mm -hmm. but those are more commonly found we in guatemala will eat those more throughout like just throughout the year like those are very commonly found throughout the okay your, your week mm-hmm. um but tamales are tamales and patches are much more for like either easter or um september when we've got our independence day and parades and um uh, and then navidad okay well. yeah so th- those are like some of the things that i grew up with my personal favorites would be um rellenitos which are maybe some people call them rellenos which is like mashed up platanos and you make like a little tortilla mm-hmm. and then you f- you put like a little dollop of frijoles with some sugar mm-hmm. mixed in and then you make it like a little pelotita like a little ball and then you fry it and mm-hmm. then you put a little bit more sugar on top girl that's oh my god I, <laughs> I will crush like oh my gosh i will crush 40 of those easily like in one sitting Oh my god. Oh, I will crush reinitos all day. Oh, that's like my comfort food. Like I learned to make them Ooh. as an adult and yeah. That's dangerous. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, and never and they just never make it past like I, I make them in the pan and then I put them to like dry and by the time I've like, you know, it's ready to serve, I have like three left. <laughs> That sounds so delicious. I mean, are so there, um, do you, when you're craving like Guatemalan food, do you make it yourself or are there restaurants in LA that you kind of go to and you're like, oh, this is the spot? Like, Yeah, there was, there are a few, and I mean like, at least what I know, there's like a handful of like Guatemalan restaurants that are like actually owned, run and like advertise like, hey, Guatemalan food here. Mm-hmm. Um, there definitely have been times where I'm like having a sad day or I'm like I just need some comfort today and I'll like run over there's one in the South Bay actually that I'll go to they're like a bakery as well so I'll get like some panes and Ooh, yum. yeah and, and they have like rellenitos ready which like <gasps> le- like those are la- so like our food is so labor intensive so the fact that I can just go somewhere and pick them up like oh yeah oh, I wanna have, what's the name of this place i'll link it in the show notes but oh oh gosh here, here i go fail i just know that it's on hawthorne boulevard and i think maybe like 185th 182nd street okay. something like that but it's like a little bakery and and restaurant tambien Oh gosh. Okay. I'll, I'll we'll get the name it. of it and we'll, when we'll put it, oh my gosh, fail. We'll find it, we'll <laughs> link it and then I will definitely go there. <laughs> yeah. The, I know that one. There's one in Eagle Rock. Um, and then there's one, the other one that we used to go to as a kid when I was little is in Gardena. Okay. Ca- like, yeah, that one's also like Guatemalan and Salvadorian, mm, which okay. since we're vecinos on, yeah. it's common, it's common to see like, um, a Salvadorian restaurant will also have some Guatemalan food sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it. Have you been yeah. to Guatemala? Yeah. 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 Um, we go, of course, as <laughs> we go as a family unit. I don't think I've never gone by myself. <laughs> we, like We all have to go and it's like herding cats, right? Because we all want to do... <laughs> We're all on our own timeline. It takes us a thousand hours to get out of the door. It's like me and my, you know, 15 other people that go. Um, the most recently was five years ago. Now we were, we had a trip planned this year, but then the world exploded. Right. So we couldn't. 
Um, so we're planning it for to be next year. Mm-hmm. But we went and um, yeah, I took my husband there too. Yeah, we love it. My, my dad lives down there. So it's, um, it's nice to be able to kind of like have like a house house, mm-hmm. you know, if that. Yeah. And, but you, you know, you have to make all the rounds, right? Because if right. you're there, you have to stop and see <laughs> 10,000 people, which of course, like their family. Yeah, all the cousins. You have to really, yeah. So if you want to go and enjoy the, and like actually get like some vacation or sightsee, like you better make a long trip because (laughs) you spend one week just going to see everybody, right? At least a week, right? If not more. (laughs) Yeah. What part of um, Guatemala is your family from? So my father is from and lives in Quetzaltenango, which is also known as Shela. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a bigger city in, in Guatemala. And then my mom is from a small, small little pueblo. It's called Palestina. And it's called Palestina de los Altos. It's like in the mountains. Okay. And they don't even, I think they had like one or two stoplights. Wow. Yeah. Like maybe if that, I don't even know if they have it anymore, but it's, it's super small. It's, um, it's very like, it's very quaint. It's, uh. It really allows you to put things in, in perspective there and to see the house that my mom grew up in and and the way that their house, um, they since purchased it. So the way that their house is, it's um, kind of like on this incline. And so when you're standing there, you can see all of Palestina because <laughs> okay. it's not that big. It's, yeah. it's, re- it's very, very small. And um, yeah, so she's from there and my dad's more from the city. Did you go to Guatemala when you were a kid? Like, did you guys go back on mm-hmm. vacation when you were younger? Yeah, my mom went the first time when she was pregnant with me. And then I went a few times as a child. Um, yeah, so I've always, I guess that, that kind of established more the connection of me feeling like, oh, yeah, I am Guatemalan because I, I go there. And then realizing like, no, you're technically Guatemalan American Jessica yeah yes that's that's right that's right (laughs) and the reason I ask it is mainly because you know for that like I also you know was fortunate enough to go to Mexico when when I was younger um you know and it helped put you know even at a young age and maybe even if I didn't immediately realize it obviously now looking back you're like oh like that makes sense or like Mm -hmm. it, it does make you appreciate you know what you have when you are seeing you know kind of the way that that you live when you go, you know, back to Mexico or back to Guatemala. Like for us, it was um, at my grandma's house. We would, they had a a pila, like a a well. Mm -hmm. Yes. And and so like washing dishes was, you know, you don't turn on the Uh faucet. You grab Uh the little like whatever charola. Yeah, whether it's like a dish or water. Uh Uh Yeah. And so, you know, and even like sometimes the toilet wasn't working. And so you fill up the the bucket mm-hmm. when you have to go to the bathroom and, and you yeah. dump it in and, and, or sh- having and a- showers for sure yes, you heat up the I, yeah my first shower with the uh con la pila, I was probably like eight or nine and when they explained it to me I was like okay and I'm like, sure this is what we do you know <laughs> and my family would always ask like what was the thing you least liked about Guatemala and I was like um the non-running water <laughs> I, of understanding now I'm like oh running water is such a luxury and it's really yeah. nice to have. I think it's really interesting I think it's really fortunate to be able to have that experience especially growing up where you oh my gosh you know yeah. you really experience two very very different worlds and two very very you know ways of of life um mm-hmm. whereas then like you come over here and and yes you complain about certain things but then you're also like okay but I like I am very lucky you do you know you do realize that that you have it pretty good (laughs) oh absolutely yeah but la pila is definitely like such a (laughs) staple of (laughs) yeah that's oh good glad to know that's not just Mexico glad to know (laughs) the pila is alive and well everywhere (laughs) pila is just thriving living her best life (laughs) I love it oh my god (laughs) Um, so I'm. So you obviously speak Spanish. Um, mm-hmm. Was that your your first language, or yes. did you grew up in a bilingual household, or how was that growing up? 
Mm, so no, Spanish was my first language. I learned English in school. Mm-hmm. People are um, usually pretty surprised to hear that be- for whatever reason, I guess, of their understanding of me. Um, but I learned English when I was in preschool. So I don't know, what is that, like four or five? Maybe. Um, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that in itself was a little challenging because I quickly started understanding that there is this other language going on that's the more dominant language spoken and we don't speak that at home. So then having to very quickly become the translator and the one to kind of decipher everything and be yeah. the, the middle person between my family and, um, you know, whenever we went to like a, a, a restaurant or we needed like help with directions or like, hey, go ask the lady like where we can find the, the bleach or whatever in the store. Um, not that my mom ever needed help finding bleach. I'm sure she can sniff that out a mile away. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you know, my family was learning English as well. And so oftentimes, a lot of the times I was helping them with either pronunciation or explaining like, oh, I think it's this way, you know, but like even myself being like, uh, un chamac- una chamaca de friggin' five, six years old now. And like, I think this is it. I think this is how it is, you know, and all of us kind of figuring English out together. Uh, but yeah, it was, um, I worked really hard at it because I knew I needed to speak it better. So I actually loved, like I would read so much to, to learn the language more. And, I, and I've always kind of had an ear for languages. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then, you know, my, my mother, my family was working on getting their, their citizenship, getting their green card. And so going through like the exams and stuff and, and like all the test questions with them and helping, you know, we learned it along the way. Oh my gosh. I feel literally, I feel like you're saying my story because <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Very much yeah. exactly the same. Uh huh. Like I would fill out my school papers and then be like, sign here. Yes. <laughs> Bring them home. Yes. Yeah. Like, you just sign. They'd be like, fill it mm-hmm. out or you know, answer the phone or whatever. So yes, I think, yes. I think a lot of people have that experience, which is, you know, very unique to, to immigrant families mm-hmm. i think definitely, yeah. definitely. But my also, mom even at one point was like here just learn my signature figure it out use it for your papers like for school documents or whatever I'm like okay sure like jessica like she understands she needs to read you know five chapters for this class like sure whatever like me not understanding any any of these uh papers when my mom's like just make it easier just get it done just do it <laughs> Um, but I do want, so it's so funny when, um, you know, you were talking about all that. Cause I, again, I do think it's an experience that a lot of, you know, first generation, a lot of immigrant kids have, like, I know I definitely did. Um, but I'm wondering, and, and maybe this is, you know, looking back or at what that experience was, was there ever any like resentment that, that you had to do that or like, Oh, like, why do I have to, you know? do this or or was it just a an acceptance at the time it was definitely like no question about it there was definitely moments that it got kind of tiresome I'm like oh I like always have to be doing this you know because like Mm -hmm. doing it for you know um but now I kind of a loaded question right because now you don't really see the effects of it in the moment until years later and I've actually started therapy recently and which has been so fantastic and many years in in the in the making (laughs) to get me there (laughs) um and it's one thing that I'm talking to her about is it really felt like I had to mature so quickly Mm -hmm. because you have to immediately understand dynamics between adults and I had to um, kind of present myself as an adult asking these questions asking for more information so that it wasn't like look here seven-year-old like just go play with your whatever you know go play with your toys when we needed 
information or I needed to call, you know, back then when we didn't have just like, you would just Google something, right? Exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. It wasn't, we didn't have the tools that we had now. So we'd have to like call in for all this information and like be directed to whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it definitely, now I'm realizing like, oh yeah, there was a lot of, a big part of my childhood that I had to just like bootstraps on and, and, and we have to figure this out because it's not just for me. It's for, it's for all of us, you know? Yeah. And it's a big, I mean, oh man, I'm currently looking for a therapist. So I was like, yes, all of this yes. all of this to do, but it's, it's funny how, I mean, not funny, but it's just interesting how it comes up later. Like in the moment you're just like, oh, like they're asking me for something again. Or like, yeah. well, I always have to call, you know, the doctor's office mm-hmm. or, or whatever, but yeah, it is, it is a uh, responsibility. And I think it is something that a lot of people do just because that is like that is how you can survive basically um and i do want to ask i mean obviously i don't know um too much about your your family background but i know that guatemala has a really strong um indigenous and amerindian um background and a lot of cultures like there's I think 21 Mayan languages recognized. Oh my gosh, yes. I think, so what I know is that there's this part of Guatemala in Lake Atitlan where there's 12 little um, pueblitos surrounding it. Mm -hmm. And when we were there talking to like people who live there locally, they were mentioning how just in that area, there's 27 indigenous languages still spoken. Wow. And so that that's pretty rad to hear. It, Guatemala has a huge Mayan population and it doesn't get recognized or like, again, like we don't, just don't, don't get any love, right? Because well, we have um, in Petén is um, Tikal, which was yeah. the, what, the Mayan capital and it had, it's got these massive pyramids and they're gorgeous. And they have the Jaguar and El Templo del Serpiente and I mean, it's so beautiful and, and it's, and it's there in Guatemala and we don't get love for it. No one <laughs> remembers that Guatemala held such a large Mayan population. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you can see in, when you're in Guatemala, there's people who still wear the traditional um, kind of fabrics and garments. Mm-hmm. You, they are like, oh, those are people who um, are from Mayan descent and still have Mayan blood in them, or mm-hmm. I guess they, they can be traced back in ancestry. Um, so it's almost like, you know, there's like people in like regular clothing and like people in like these traditional Mayan uh, fabrics and colors and patterns. And they're so beautiful. Oh my gosh, they're so rich in color. They're so vibrant. Oh, and some, and some of these, these girls in these dresses, oof, they are flossing. They've got their nice <laughs> fabrics on and then they've got like all these accessories. I know I'm walking, I'm like, dang, I need to step, I need to step on my game. <laughs> oh, <it's laughs> like, look so- at you just peacocking over here. Oh my <laughs> God, I'm just in, in my leggings and a hoodie. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I'm over here just looking like such a commoner. <laughs> It's so funny. Do you have any, like, do you own any pieces of, of it? I guess, I don't know what to call it, more like traditional clothing? Um, I don't. I don't, or truly, I don't know what it's called. Yeah. And I don't, I'm like scared to give it even a name because people get so, we can, I don't want to step on anyone's toes or offend anybody that may actually know. Actually, the last time that we were in, in Guatemala, I got these, I got these handmade um, flats mm-hmm. and they were like with the, like our patterns from Guatemala are just so, they're so distinct. Like, you know them instantly. Then they're so vibrant and so rich in color. They're just, they're very unique to us. And um, these shoes were just, oh, they were so vibrant. They were gorgeous. And I was actually just telling my my mom and my tias last weekend, I'm like, I just, I still regret only getting one pair. Like, how could I have not gotten 17 pairs? Like, what on earth was I thinking? Yeah. So one of the things I'm like dying to go back just to get more shoes because I wore them. There's like 70 holes in them. And does that stop me from wearing them? No. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yes. Listen, I am right there with you. I'm like Mm -hmm. waiting for COVID to be over so I can go 
basically on a shopping trip to Mexico. <laughs> yes. Oh, I just, I need so much like fabric and clothing. I need, to, I need, I want a peacock over here, you know? I want yes. <laughs> do it. I'm ready. Um, I do want to ask just, I guess, selfishly, just kind of mm-hmm. as I've been reflecting on, on my own journey, but how has, or has your, um, relationship with your culture evolved over time? I feel like maybe I was very close to it as a child, like growing up and then maybe like my, throughout my adolescence and I'm talking maybe like 12 to, to 20, maybe even like, oh yeah, maybe like 22. I kind of really disconnected from it and was like, oh, like I'm like it was just kind of like in 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 a huge way like I was super connected to it as a child and then really just kind of like eh, kind of put it on the back burner and like yeah mm-hmm. I'm Guatemalan but that's not all I am you know and um and then now I've definitely found myself in the past maybe like six years seven years like really connecting to it that much more and mm-hmm. um, and probably a big shift of it was when I was in acupuncture school in the clinic. I very quickly learned then the blessing that it is to be bilingual. Mm-hmm. And it was something that I was like told growing up. And, you know, it was always like, I'd roll my eyes, like, I know, I know, I know, like being sure, by, being bilingual is fantastic, sure. Yeah. But then it wasn't until I was in the clinic and there were so many patients coming in to schedule but looking for a Spanish speaker because they didn't speak English and so I they would always book them with me and in my graduating class I think I was maybe like I was one of two that was fluent in Spanish and then I think maybe there was two or three more that could pretty like could like understand that they've learned some along the way you know and they can communicate very brokenly but still get by Mm -hmm. And so I would always be like, like my schedule was always very booked because, you know, you have like limited shifts to begin with. But yeah, then it was then that I realized like, oh, like, like our community has very little access to acupuncturists. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I realized that then and there. And so kind of reconnected with that, like kind of Latino side of me to like, oh, <laughs> there's a, a lot of good that I can actually do here. And there's such a huge blessing in me being bilingual yeah for sure no i think that's Mm -hmm. that's really interesting and i almost (laughs) makes a great segue into Uh let's talk about you being an acupuncturist so oh yeah i know you you mentioned to me that you wanted to be a lawyer growing up but then you kind of switched around like 15 or 16 and and started looking into into acupuncture can you talk about that sure yeah there was I don't even know what it was for me but like I was four years old and I just went up to my mom and I was like mom I'm gonna be a lawyer when I grow up that's just what I'm gonna do you know and of course like a hair flip or something my mom was like okay (laughs) sure let's support this and that's what I wanted to be growing up my entire life like I just always knew I was going to go to law school and I knew I was going to do either some type of immigration law or um, like domestic uh, violence cases, things like that. And then there was a movie, um, it's called uh, I Am Sam, I think. Oh, okay. And, yeah. I, and I watched, I think it was the Sean Penn. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this lawyer and while she's like, you know, they show like her house, it's like, super massive and luxurious and she's got all like she's driving the fancy cars and like fancy shoes and everything you know always has like a starbucks in her hand and (laughs) but like you know of course and this is just a movie just the portrayal like she was always so disconnected from her child she always had a nanny she never really had time for herself and it was just kind of that moment of like you know i don't want that like that's just, and not to say that that's what happens as a lawyer, you know, but that portrayal of it, it was like, the reality is you are working such long hours and so intensely and depending on how successful of a lawyer you become or what type of law you go into, right? Like your cases can be years. Right. And so 
um, it was kind of like, all right, I think I was maybe like, I don't know what year this movie came out, like 14, 15. And when, when I was 14 or 15, and I realized like, yo, this is not the lifestyle that I want for myself. Let's kind of dive deeper. What is it about being a lawyer that I wanted? I realized I wanted to help mm-hmm. other people. So I kept like my eyes peeled and said, okay, well, when I find it, I'll find it, but I'm looking for it. That's what I'm looking for something I can help in or help other people with and always being fascinated with anatomy i'm such an anatomy nerd oh my gosh my husband makes fun of me for being such an anatomy (laughs) (laughs) because i'll be walking i'm like oh my medial malleolus hurts and he's like just say ankle no one knows what you're talking about (laughs) i bumped my medial malleolus so who speaks like this the rest of us are speaking english use regular english (laughs) I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then growing up, my um, kind of my adoptive grandmother, because my mother cleaned houses. Oh, crap. I should have talked about this earlier. <laughs> my, my mother cleaned houses growing up and had a few like, um, like el- elders like, or seniors that she would take care of. Mm-hmm. And so this particular couple, she took care of him and then would clean their house as well. Once he passed away, she continued cleaning her house. Her name was Betty. She, um, such a big part of my life, actually. She um, had been a part of my life since I was five. And in my eyes, she was always my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And I would, she was, she used to be a teacher. And so I would always ask her for help for like homework and stuff, or just like, what does this mean? You know, asking her to help me with translations and stuff. And uh, anyway, so she was super diabetic. And I mean, like, she was really good at being diabetic. Like, she just could not resist sugar. She could not take doctor's orders. Like, she was very good. But it got really bad. Um, you know, we would try to try to help her with it. And because, oh gosh, I'm sorry. She once I was about 13, she's the reason why I moved to Redondo. She had a very large house and asked us if we wanted to move in with her. And so that's how we made the nice little upgrade from Hawthorne to Redondo and like South Redondo of all places. Mm -hmm. And so we, we move in with her. She, her diabetes is getting so bad. Her peripheral neuropathy. So basically her legs are just becoming so swollen from the edema lack of circulation. She is now um, losing so much sensation, just like motor uh, function and um, to touch. They're getting incredibly swollen. Her mobility is decreasing and her blood sugar was just spiking and her doctors told her like, look lady, you're going to have to make a change and it's going to have to be big because you keep at it at this rate. It's not looking good. We're most likely looking at a double leg amputation. And she was like, "Uh uh-uh, that is like, oh, nope, that's not what's happening to me. I am, she ended up finding uh, an acupuncturist who was an alumni from the school I went to, Yosan University here in in LA. She went to her, um, my grandmother saw her once a week for just about 10 years. And my grandmother made it to age 98 with both legs. Yeah. And so because of, yeah. She put her on herbs. She had her doing, she changed her diet. She had her doing weekly acupuncture. Um, She was such a big part of her life and her longevity. And so at 18, she came home one day and was like, hey, Miha, like my acupuncture says uh, she's looking for some like clerical work help and, you know, she'll hire you. So I started working for her right off the bat like that. And I saw what she did and it was like, such a ding moment of I was 18 like I started working for her two weeks after I graduated high school mm-hmm. and probably within three months of that it was that like okay that's switching gears this is what I'm doing I'm going into TCM this is like I've seen what it did for her I'm now actively seeing what it's doing for other people I'm sorry this was such a long story long <laughs> no, this, this is great and it's so it's so interesting because I think everyone comes to to their career or their calling mm-hmm. realization at very, very different times. And I feel like, you know, acupuncture isn't 
really a path that we hear of too no, much. And so I'm, it's I'm not. super fascinating. So I'm, I love this. And, you know, if you want to tell us, I guess, what the process is like, like you said, you had to go to obviously to school, but like how long yeah. that training? Yeah. That. I'd also just like to say that because it isn't something that we're like, talk to a lot <clears throat> if at all about a career path telling my mom that i was not going to become a lawyer and that i was going to become an acupuncturist um yeah she wasn't super pumped to hear that news <laughs> <laughs> she was definitely not really excited about it <laughs> but supportive nonetheless she's been like i knew under uh, you could see it like oh, crap. all right do you? I'm here yeah. to support it. Oh, God. <laughs> um, but yeah, acupuncture school, it is four years of grad school. And it is a master's degree in, so I have my master's in traditional Chinese medicine. It's four years. And then you do, if you do it full time, and full time is 16 units. And it's, you're doing this for, for five. I did it in five years because I was working as well. But you're doing like, it's, it's very grueling. And one of the challenges with it is that it really, you have to just destroy all the paradigms of learning that you had prior to acupuncture school, because we've always been taught so linearly on two plus two equals four, you know, verb plus noun sentence, this plus this, whatever. But acupuncture school is so, it's such an art form of a medicine. It's so abstract. It's so beautiful. Nothing is ever, I mean, there's maybe like one or two absolutes, but it's, you're just kind of following kind of the clues on where, on where it takes you. It's so beautiful. Everything is case by case. Um, so aside from all you're doing, I think it's like 3000 hours of classes plus a thousand hours of your, your clinical hours. And then your, that includes internships and externships. And then I was lucky enough, I went to, I actually went to Beijing for two weeks to work in the hospitals and in the clinics there. Oh, wow. So to acquire that knowledge as well. Yeah. And so I've been in the industry since I was 18, right? When I started working for her, I started acupuncture school at 21. I was, and then I got licensed at 26, I believe. 26, maybe 27, one of those. <laughs> age, what is age? Yeah, what, what is time? Oh, oh God, especially now, what is time? It, none of it matters. <laughs> That's amazing. And so yeah. and now you've opened your own practice. Yes, so to get, to become an acupuncturist, you have to, you get your, your master's, then that doesn't mean anything until you get your license. Mm -hmm. And so I'm licensed by the state of California. You take the boards for that. And it is, oh my gosh, studying for the boards was the most stressful time I've ever experienced in my life. Those three months were God awful. I don't wish that on anyone. <laughs> the level of like high anxiety and stress that you endure in prepping for any kind of boards, I suppose. Um, and then after that, once you pass, you get to choose do you what you kind of like, how are you going to use this, right? So I went into private practice. You could, jo you could join a practice. You could work at a clinic. You can possibly start teaching. You can go into research. Oh, that's interesting. I, yeah, I always wanted to go into private practice. And so I got my license and within, or like you get your letter that you pass. And then it takes about a few weeks for your license to actually come in. And so when I got my letter that I passed, I put in my two weeks notice at the clinic that I was working in. I was doing like at admin work there. Put in my notice. I'm like, I'm out. I need to open up my practice. Having saved up like $0 for this, okay? I was like, I am all in. I am betting on myself right now. Like, this is what I've been waiting for. We are opening up shop. I don't know how I'm going to make this happen, but we will. That is a problem for future, Jess. Here we go. My husband was kind of nervous about it. And he's like, honey, <laughs> how are we going to do this? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I opened up my practice June 1st of 2017. And 
yeah, I've just been super blessed with this, with, with it. It's just grown. Um, and then recently, August 1st, I was able to move into a much larger space. Oh gosh, it's like 1500 square footage. It's gorgeous. I was able to hire an employee. Um, I also was able to hire a big step. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And right now, like figuring out like, Hey Google, how do I boss? (laughs) <laughs> like, how am I, how does one boss, like, what does that mean? Like, I, what do I do now? <laughs> Not how do I become one, but like, now that I am, like, how do I do this? <laughs> right. Um, I was also able to hire somebody to come clean the office. And that kind of felt really full circle since so many of my family members have cleaned houses or offices mm-hmm. or restaurants. It felt really special to be able to yeah to to offer that to somebody and you know the front desk that I hired she's also Latina bilingual the and of course the cleaning person that I hired is also uh Latino and really it feels really freaking cool to kind of be here where you know I've been in practice for three years in private practice for three years yeah I think yeah um and it's really, really rad to just be able to see it grow and be able to now start offering these opportunities to other people. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. <laughs> that's, I love that. Um, I do want to ask, because I know, like personally, what I went in for is, mm-hmm. is esoteric acupuncture, which I had uh, never, yes. never heard of. And so I think... Um, could you tell us the difference between going in for, and like, for example, a few years ago, I went in to someone actually in Redondo Beach, which is funny, um, <laughs> for my shoulder, because I had like screwed it up when I decided to try CrossFit. That was a mistake. <laughs> but I like hurt my shoulder and then um, did that. But then the session that I went in with you was super different. And I think that's something I hadn't heard of. And I know people that I talk to, they're like, what is that? And I was like, well, it's this like whole other yes. experience. And so could you maybe tell us a oh, bit about that? It is magic. So esoteric acupuncture, I, after graduating and becoming licensed, I went and studied that for two years pr- afterwards to become certified in it as well. So that is not, it's not something that we learn in the, in it's not part of TCM, which stands for traditional Chinese medicine. This is just, it's a whole separate um, kind of magic and, and category, if you will. And so the difference is that TCM works much more so on the physical realm in terms of dis-ease and much more like headaches, uh, digestive issues, fertility, things like that, right? All things that are manifesting physically. Esoteric acupuncture is not for everybody. And I make that very clear. I like to do like a 10 to 15 minute consult with somebody first to see if they're a good candidate for it because it's specifically for the seekers. It's for somebody who is seeking to kind of start this journey on of more self-alignment, self-awareness, and becoming more tuned to their heart center. So it works much more on the chakra system and the organ spirits as well. And so it works on such a different dynamic. And it, um, it's, we describe it as esoteric acupuncture being a way of life and not because you start like, not because esoteric acupuncture is your way of life now, but it's what helps alter it to get you to kind of a higher level of vibration, if you will. So it's for people who are looking to, uh, who maybe just moved to a new, to a new city and they're trying to get, you know, figure out what their next step is. It's for people who are seeking really that a deeper level of awareness of consciousness of of healing where it isn't just my shoulders hurting where it's i'm ready to start making these changes and esoteric acupuncture isn't the one fix all that is going to do all that for you it's you know we'll discuss in conjunction with your meditation with your cleaner eating habits with um 
minimizing certain recreational activities and increasing these things in your life. So it really focuses much more on bringing you to heart center versus TCM, which will work more on the like physical on, you know, insomnia or headaches and which are often happening from a, from an energetic, um, kind of imbalance as well. But yeah, so the, you know, I am a Gemini and my practice is very much so a Gemini as well. It's, I've got some patients that are like very like, nope, I'm just here for my headaches. And oh, I'm so sorry, it's so loud. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> um, I've got patients that are like, no, I'm just here for my headaches. And then some that are like, I am here, I'm ready to make these changes. I've had patients with esoteric acupuncture who, you know, I, I describe it as almost like ayahuasca in the sense where it will call to you when you're ready, when it's time. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. That's totally fine. And everyone's experience with it is so unique and so different. I have no idea what's going to go on in that treatment room. Once I walk out, people are on a journey. And we combine sacred geometry with a guided meditation, with acupuncture, with the chakra system, with the organ spirits and a little breath work in there. And when you mix all these modalities, you are really channeling the cosmos at that point. And some people really, some people have huge emotional releases. Some people see their trajectory so clearly. Some people get off that table and they're like, all right, I'm ready to declutter, boom, 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 all of these things in my life. Some people get off that table and they're like, I just spoke to my ancestors, my past loved ones were all here. That was so much healing. Some people see their younger selves. I mean, it's so, it's so unique. It's so different. It really uh, allows such a deeper level of healing. And um, I always bring in two spirit guides with me to help hold the space. Because when you, when you're using the chakra system. I mean, it's all fun and games to say, oh, I, 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 I heal the chakras. I cleanse your chakras. I do all these things. I have crystals for chakras. I'm like, okay, sure. But these are truly, you're playing with otherworldly energies here. And if you don't know what you're doing, you can really get something to latch on or something to release too powerfully, too aggressively, or vice versa, bring, welcome something into that field that should not be there. I mean, you really, there's like a lot of dousing and, and kind of grid work that needs to happen for yourself and for that other person as well. So at the end of the session, we always make sure to kind of reapply that grid for protection of the chakras because, I mean, I, I see so many people that, are, you know, uh, may not be trained or, you know, just self-taught and then you hear all the stories afterwards of, oh my gosh, and then I went into this thing. I had this like chakra cleansing and then I went into this event and then I, all like all these negative things happened and all these things that I've experienced since then, I don't know what went wrong. You know? So very important to see somebody that's trained and certified, everyone. Please do so. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's, it's a lot, but I think the thing that I that I really love is that there is something for, for everyone, you know, mm -hmm. someone can go in and see you for this hurts. Can we like do something to fix it? Yes. Or, yes. More of a, of an in-depth, like my, my soul needs something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's amazing. And can we quickly talk about, you also make these balms. Um, oh my gosh, my balm, my babies. Yeah. Can you talk about them? I saw you making them on Instagram stories. Like I think because it was a new moon or something. Yeah. I make them on either the full moon or the new moon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, okay. My, my balms, my little babies, they are, uh, they were, quite a little passion project of mine and a little tricky to create because okay so i wanted to combine tcm traditional chinese medicine with my little bruja spirit that i have and combining it with some spanish and some self-care which was challenging to be able to combine all four of those elements right so 
In TCM, we use the five elements, fire, earth, metal, water, wood. We use these and we see them in nature and then we see them in the seasons. They are the five phases. They become very complex very quickly. So for just to keep it as simple as possible, we're gonna say fire is heart, earth is spleen and stomach, metal is the lungs, water is the kidneys, and wood is the liver. So what I wanted to do with these is create a blend, you know, well, let me backtrack a little bit. Patients are always asking me, what more can I do? What else can I do? And I'll tell them, you know, you need to stretch, you need to eat this, you need to minimize that, you need to increase this. And they say, oh yeah, I'm not gonna do that, but I'll be here for my treatment next week. <laughs> Great, perfect. <laughs> so I created these bombs so that they can also teach patients about the meridians. So each bomb has a specific blend for that element. And it also comes with a little description card on where to apply it on the body, on the its um, respective meridian. So fuego, reflecting the heart, when we see a disharmony of fire, we usually see some type of mania, anxiety, feeling overwhelmed, insomnia. So fuego is a very calming and grounding blend. Oh man, is that one just like selling out like crazy? Oh, the girl does <laughs> hotcakes right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, fuego is the one that I use most commonly. I use it um, every day, but I definitely use it for sure on any kind of full moon or new moon ceremony that I do myself. And then tierra is digestive system. So, uh, that one is a blend to help promote healthy digestive function. Metal metal is, uh, the lungs. So that one's a very like opening the airways, helping boost the immune system. Um, so that one's applied more on the chest and the lung meridian. And then agua, the kidneys are very responsible for the yin of the body and yin can present itself um, in one way as the blood. And so when we see dryness in the body, we see a, a what we call a deficiency of yin or a deficiency of blood, if you will. And so that blend is just kind of more of a general balm for overall dryness and nourishing. And then Madera, is, when we see a disharmony of wood, we see more general like tightness and clenching and stress and like irritability and like, right? So that blend is a very like opening, activating and uplifting blend to help you like, ah, and we're back. And how does one use them? Like, do you put it on and then meditate or does it really depend? You definitely can, yeah. It, if you come into the office, and I give you one personally, I'll usually tell you personally how to use one. But since each one comes with a little description card, it tells you then what, like, apply them. I call them Luna de, so that it's like more of a nighttime ritual, so that you can apply this at night. But you're definitely, I encourage everyone to meditate and definitely applying them to certain points upon meditation so that you can just bring you back to Zen. The world is wild. It is wild. We, we need as much support as we can get right now. Yeah. Right? 100%. I think, <laughs> I think that would be a good, um, a good last note to end it on. If there was just like a, a, you know, one or two things people could do to just take care of themselves that maybe they're having a hard time with um, everything. I mean, you can take your pick, everything that's going mm -hmm. on. Um, just something that would help someone's soul to, you know, kind of keep going. Yeah. I would definitely say for me, the thing that's kept me going would be yoga. So finding some, and yoga for me is not, um, not just the physical practice, but it's the, like all the teachings from the Bhagavad Gita and all the chanting and the mantras, right? So that for me has really helped kind of keep me much more centered and so I would definitely encourage someone to find some kind of practice like that, whatever that is for you, whatever it is, kind of more spiritual kind of grounding practice that you can apply to your daily life would be fantastic. And then secondly, I would truly say at this point, since right now we've been, it's been six ongoing to seven months now of this madness, I would say please seek 
help outside of just yourself. You know, you can meditate till the cows come home. You can do yoga till the cows come home. But there are professionals out there who can help, whether that's a therapist, whether that's an acupuncturist, whether that's a breath worker, a Reiki practitioner, you know, even if it's just a virtual thing. And if ideally, wherever you are, if you can go to somebody, I please do so. People are trained. People are certified. We There's so much magic out there. And as someone who is in the wellness industry, we came into this industry to help others. So please, we're here for you. Whichever kind of modality and practice you feel like is calling to you, it is going to do wonders for you right now. Know that we're always here holding it down and we're here for you. You were not alone and and please don't feel like you are like you have nothing because we're all just dying to help you. I love it. Well, thank you <laughs> so much. This has been so great. I feel like I could talk to you for hours, but I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Latinx Like Me is executive produced and hosted by me, Emma Cardenas. Remember to subscribe and follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And please leave a review. It's a great way to help us grow and show your support. Feel free to reach out on Instagram at latinxlikeme or via our website latinxlikemepodcast.com if you would like to nominate someone to be featured or just want to say hi. See you next time.